welcome back to Relatably Weird, and this is our first episode of our annual Spooktober Spectacular. I'm so excited, Kate. I have loved, I haven't done much spooky season stuff, but I still love it just as much. It's been awesome. Yeah, totally. Um, So I know we're super excited because we did this last year. We put out an episode every week. I think we're a little late getting this first one out, but, you know. But here happens. it is. But I promise we will have one for every week this month, and it's going to be fantastic. Kate and I both have topics already picked out. We're starting our research, and I can tell you, you are not going to want to miss a single episode. So, And I will admit, I actually changed my topic on Tiffany this week. Oh, no, you didn't. I did. So I told her I was talking about one thing, and, well, it's not that thing. It's something different. But it still doesn't clash with your topic, because you gave me your kind of header. Right. So I know our topics don't clash, but... I, I'm going to go ahead and start with our teasers. Go for it. Um, I'm going to be talking about corpse medicine. Corpse medicine. Corpse medicine. I hope there's no <laughs> dead body parts in my medicine. Listen, I, I've been watching the Jeffrey, Jeffrey Dahmer stuff, <laughs> and I'm sorry, but that's the first place my mind went to when I, you said corpse medicine. I think everybody's watching the Jeffrey Dahmer series. Which, if you haven't watched it, it's oh. on Netflix, and it is... It is a hard watch, but it is. It, happen and there's a lot of debate around it we're not here to debate that we chose to watch it um purely for a historical educational purpose because i think that you should be educated on things that have happened in the past so that then you don't repeat it yeah it's an interesting look at crime and a lot of social justice issues yes it's just it, it is interesting and of course you know the big um debate is whether or not the victims were I don't want to say memorialized, but uh, it, I'm sure that was hard for the families. Oh, for sure. So, again, we're not here to spark any debate. You know, we thought about it. We chose to watch it. If you do, fine. If you don't, that's your that's choice. We, okay. Yeah, we're not here to judge either way. Okay, so you're doing corpse Corpse medicine. medicine. I am talking about making sure that the dead stay dead. Well, Lord, don't we hope so. Right? <laughs> Could you imagine doing something you feel a little guilty about and mom just walks around the corner all zombie-like? Oh, my gosh. No, I couldn't do it. Oh, I would be in the grave. Oof. No, thank (laughs) you. I would beat her back to the grave. Uh, For the record, our mother passed away last year, so her coming around the corner would be quite terrifying. Yes. Yeah. So, do you want to go first? Sure. Go for it. Um, so yeah, it is the start of spooky season. And whenever I think of spooky season, my mind immediately goes to things like vampires, zombies, but sexy. <laughs> <laughs> but sexy. Uh, no, no, I'm talking like like horror movie zombies vampires ghosts basically you know the the dead things like that's what i think of well that's what i think of whenever (laughs) i think of like halloween and spooky season is like all things dead but kind of back alive like uh, somewhere in between right yeah so (laughs) you know i know i'm not the only one that that that's where they first go 
when they hear spooky season or they think of Halloween. And I think the reason that people think of these things during the spookiest time of year is that as living, breathing humans, we have this fear, this fascination, and I guess really to an extent, a curiosity about death and like what happens after death and is there a possibility of coming back to life, whether that's through reincarnation, whether it's through becoming a zombie. It's in the, it's in our minds. Yes. I know I'm not the only one that thinks about these kind of things. No. And if you do a quick search for uh, life after death, you get all kinds of movies and documentaries and articles um, that explore death and what happens after we die. In fact, there's this guy that I follow on TikTok that his whole thing is talking about our souls in the afterlife and oh, how like yeah, I've seen him. Like we come basically it sounds terrible, but we recycle ourselves and have like multiple lives. It's it's an interesting concept. I don't know right. if I believe it or not, but it's interesting to think about. Makes makes the little wheels turn. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, but you know, it, it, it all explores what happens after we die. If boil it down, that's what it is. What happens after we die? And one of the things that you might come across in your search is this phenomenon called the Lazarus phenomenon. Oh. Have you heard of this, Kate? I can imagine being raised in church and hearing the story of Lazarus, um, I can imagine. Yeah, and so that's exactly where it gets its name, is from the story in the Bible of Lazarus, who dies, and then several days later, Jesus comes along and says, hey, Lazarus, come out of that tomb, and poof, he's alive again. Bet he needed a bath. Ooh, I, oh, right? <clears throat> you know he stunk. Ugh. I'm just saying. Anyways, so that's what this phenomenon is named after. And it covers cases where individuals were presumed dead, but then they wake up minutes or days later, seemingly risen from the dead. Okay. I, yes. I have heard of this. I was, saying, I, I was pretty sure that you had heard of this one. Yes. And to me, it freaks me out because, like, we've already discussed that our family handles death and grief in a very interesting way we deal with humor however i have this deep-seated fear of walking up to a body in a casket and it coming to life i cannot i cannot like i, I know it's embalmed and i know that like there's no chance of but it's still in my mind i won't lie i will do everything to skip the actual receiving line or whatever it's called it's like hard. sneak in and say mm -hmm. hey to who i need to and right. like just out the back door so there was one example i came across of this lazarus phenomenon that really kind of just blew my mind okay and so this is in mississippi i don't remember the name of the town but in mississippi in 2014 the coroner was called to 78-year-old Walter Williams' house, where family members believed that he had passed on. So the coroner checked. Williams had no pulse. Oh, God. So he pronounced him dead. Like, that's typically, like, when they pronounce time of death is you have no pulse. 
even though like there's this whole theory of their death is a process right like you know your organs go through shutting down and so that's why I'm like, was he cold to the touch? Was he discolored? Like, or did you just check a pulse and go, nope? I don't, they didn't elaborate in any of the articles that I read mm. on this. But coroner said, he's dead. Okay, he's dead. And typically the coroner says, you're, you're dead. dead. You're dead. So, early the next morning. Oh, God. Early the next morning. So this is not just like a few minutes later. It's not a couple hours later. The next morning, <laughs> workers at the Porter and Sons funeral home oh, no. were preparing to embalm him. They oh were getting God. ready, Kate, when he started to kick in the body bag. As he should have. I'd have been pretty pissed, too. I would be freaking out if I woke up in a body bag. Like, I don't know that I would just be kicking. Oh, no. There would be a lot more than that. Right. <coughs> so sorry. It's still allergy season here. Um. So, yeah. So, William starts kicking. Of course, obviously, they let him out of the body bag. Dude, I'd have run so fast. Well, the, so the coroner called an ambulance because, okay, this is medically a little strange. Let's get him checked out. And the coroner has to make the call to the family. <laughs> To say, and I guess it was his daughter that they got a hold of first. And he said, hey, just want to let you know, we're taking your dad to the hospital. And of course, the daughter's like, whoa, 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 wait. I thought he was dead. Corner's like, yeah, about that. This is my interpretation, by the way. This is not verbatim. <laughs> <laughs> this is my take on the conversation. And uh, so, yeah, so he called the family and, <laughs> and had to inform the family that no, your dad's still alive and we're taking him to the hospital to get him checked out. Can and you just imagine processing that trauma of oh, he's dead? Just kidding. Just kidding. Ha ha. I, I don't even know how you would begin to process that. I, I don't know. But in a conversation with her dad, he said, well, I would. I guess I was just sleeping the whole time. And she said, no, dad, you were dead. D-E-D dead. Yes. Now, <laughs> sadly... He didn't live much longer. He did end up passing away about two weeks later. Oh, like, God. Like, for real <gasps> passing away. The emotional roller coaster. Right? I can't imagine. Like, thinking that your your dad's dead. Oh, just kidding. He's alive. And then he dies two weeks later. Is he really? Like, I would be questioning. Is he going to come back again? I'd be sitting there poking him with a stick for like two days. I'm not. I believe you're not embalming him for like two or three days. Like, I, let's make sure he's dead, dead this time. I just, that poor family. I know, it's awful. But yeah, so the Lazarus phenomenon is, while it's not a new concept, it was it it's, I guess, recently named. I say recently named. It's been like 40 years which is still recent in yeah. medical terms, you know, because um, it was named in 1982. Like they actually put a name on it. This is the Lazarus phenomenon. So even though it's been recently named, like this has been a fast fascination slash fear for centuries. Yeah, you know, and there's there's just been so much fear around. I guess you call it resurrections. 
for centuries. And so much so that some cultures actually take drastic measures to make sure that their dead stay dead. Oh, God. Oh, no. Okay. I don't like where this is going. <laughs> I know. I know. So the practice of physically rendering the dead incapable or from either rising or haunting the living, because some, it was not just physically resurrecting, but think of like, like we think of like ghost, where there, it's like a residual energy right. or you get stuck here. Ooh. So some cultures even think that by doing these things, like they're going to keep that person from coming back either physically or spiritually. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it's, there's actually a term for it. It's an older term called moschalismos, and I'm probably butchering that. I apologize. We try so hard. <laughs> it's not an episode if we don't mispronounce something. You're right. But this word is actually an ancient Greek word. And it was also the term that they use for procedural rules on such matters as taking measures to keep the dead dead, uh, we'll say, <clears throat> later in Greek customary law. However, there's a more modern term for moschizolomos, and it's much easier to say, vampire burials. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so, I didn't realize that vampire burials was a thing. Right. Until a couple of weeks ago, I came across, a, it was actually just, I saw the picture first. Oh, no. Of a skeleton. It was like a, like, half unearthed skeleton that had a sickle placed over the neck. Ooh. So, like, you know, that big, long, curved blade placed over the neck. Oh no. And that sparked my curiosity. I was like, why on earth would you bury somebody with a sharp blade around their neck? Like, I know people put all kinds of little trinkets, notes, little things in the coffins with people. I get it. The Egyptians had this whole, like, they would have their servants, like, buried with them and their right. animals buried with, like, I get it. But this was a sickle. My brain is going so many places, so please, please proceed. Okay, so the article was about a 17th century burial that was discovered in Poland this year. Oh. Okay, so it's a new discovery. It's a new burial site discovery. And they determined that it was a female that had the sickle placed over her neck in a way that if, if, by chance, she were to happen to you know, raised from her resting place, her head would be cut off. So no second chances is what I'm hearing. You're right. No okay. second chances. They were not taking any chances. Oh, no. I can <laughs> I know. It's it's so... I can't even think of the... the uh, We'd love to have you back, but no thanks. <laughs> nope. Anyways, so according to the Smithsonian Magazine... Citizens of Eastern Europe in the 11th century reported fears of vampires. That tracks. Believing that some people who died might claw their way out of the grave as blood-sucking monsters that terrorize the living. 
Okay, but Buffy the Vampire Slayer kind of did that. So. Yeah. I did love Buffy. <laughs> Sorry, that's where my brain immediately went. <clears throat> Buffy the Vampire was one of my favorite TV series, but I digress. So, because of this fear, they started treating their dead with these anti-vampire rituals. Well, I don't know if rituals, procedures, we'll just call them measures, yeah. I guess, to keep them dead. Yeah. And there's many different types, so it's not just like the sickle over the neck. Okay. They found... Over the years, they have found several of these burial sites with some kind of odd things that kind of tipped them off that, hey, this might be a suspected vampire or some cultures even believe that, like, if somebody was unalived in a way that was, like, maybe they were murdered or maybe it was a freak accident, they were afraid that they would come back. And so to prevent that, they would do some of these things. So let's cover some of these, Kate. Oh, gosh. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. One of them is a stone or a brick in the mouth. Ew. So there's, like, pictures of skeletons. And, y'all, I'm going to put pictures up on our Instagram and our Facebook page. So you'll have to check it out in the next day or two. (laughs) But it's a skeleton with a big chunk of rock or brick that has been shoved into the mouth. Oh, God. So that if they were to come back alive and try to bite, they're going to bite into the stone or the brick. Not, you know, rise out of the ground and bite into human flesh, I guess, was was their thought process. I, I am befuddled by that one. But that's what they did. Um, I thought this next one was interesting. Burying them face down so that they would bite into the ground instead of biting their way back up to the surface. Oh, God. Because, you know, typically people are buried facing up. And you're going to go. And it's dark. You can't see. You have no sense of direction. Right. I get I That tracks. Right. Okay, I get that. Like. Okay, they're going to gnaw and they're just going to keep gnawing their way <laughs> into the earth. <laughs> right. Um, this one, this one I think is pretty common. Burning them. Yes. That, yes. that was pretty common throughout history. Stoning them. Also, not surprising. <coughs> um, as we discussed, the sickle or a scythe or a sharp blade over the neck to mm. keep them from rising, chop their head off. <laughs> Um, as we were talking about Buffy the Vampire, there was a stake through a heart of some of them. Okay, see, I think I've heard that before. Yeah, that one's pretty, that one's pretty common whenever you're talking about vampire myths in general. Yeah. Because that's allegedly one of the ways that you can kill a vampire is right. a stake through the heart. So they would put a stake through the heart. And they found them in graves, these bodies in graves with stakes through their hearts. Um... Kind of along the same lines, iron through the chest or through the heart. Okay, I that's ringing a bell too. I, Use of iron. Like somewhere in the back of my mind it's ringing a bell, but apparently that also prevents huh. them from coming back to life. Um, nailing, oh, this oh, okay, this one kind of freaked me out. Nailing down the burial shroud. Oh, so because like... Because 
they would, you know, they used to wrap bodies in, like, yeah. some type of cloth. So you're wrapped and you're nailed to the and bottom you're of the And you're nailed to the bottom. So that if you're trying to get up, you can't. And I don't know why, but that one freaks me out. Yeah, that freaks me out, too. Okay, so this next one, I don't understand this one, and I've never heard of this one. But Rose Thorns on the Grave. Uh, like barbed wire fencing? Maybe. I guess if you're trying to rise from the dead, it pokes you, and I don't, I don't know. I mean, huh? I, I've never heard of that one, but that was one I came across in my research. Or, or theory, maybe if you're clawing your way out and you're trying to grab at the ground and you're getting all these rose thorns in your hand, you're going to scream. And you're going to stop. And you're going to get like, attention. Mm, maybe I'll just go back to being dead. Yeah, but you, like, draw attention to yourself, and the oh, villagers sure. will come with their pitchforks and their Torches fire. And... And... <laughs> I don't know. Like I said, I, I don't never... either. That's odd. I had never heard of that one before doing my research on this one. Hmm. Um, another one, and this one was not just for, like, suspected vampires, but this is just a common, in general, we don't want this person coming back to life. For no reason. Like, yeah, just other than, hey. We don't want them back. Hey. Stay dead. <laughs> and that was locking down the feet. Oh. Like they would lock, they would put like a padlock on the toe or lock down the feet. Hmm. And I think that one's pretty self explanatory. I'd say you, so. You can't, yeah. If you're coming back to life, you can't move. Yeah. Or I guess you could move your upper body, but not your feet. Anyways. And then this last one really just weirded me out. So an, another way of preventing the dead from coming back to life was to remove the feet, remove the hands, remove the ears, remove the nose, and then tie them together and stick them like next to the body or up near where the armpit would be. Why not... <coughs> Just take the whole head at that point. Just. Well, and I think some of them that was also like removing body parts. That's so. The nose. I, I don't understand that one. That just sounds like somebody's gruesome obsession. Right. But I mean, I get it. Like if you're like cutting up a body, like. It's less likely that they're going to come back to life. Right. You know, right. it's, it's kind of like that assurance of no, they're dead. They're dead. Like they ain't coming they done back to dead. Right. <laughs> Unless it's like, was it that, uh, was it Adam's family that had the, the hand? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Unless it's that. I mean, whatever. So strange. Now, the people in these graves, were they actually vampires? I don't know. I. Probably not. Probably not. Probably. But it's possible that there are some conditions like tuberculosis. Oh. That may have sparked some of these fears of vampires. Because think about it. People with tuberculosis, they cough. They cough up blood. There'd be blood in their mouth. And if you didn't know what tuberculosis was. That tracks. You'd be a little freaked out. Yeah. Like, why you got blood in your mouth? Did you bite your mouth? Who Did have you, you been somebody? eating? Yeah, who have you been eating? So, there's some speculation that some of these fears of vampires were sparked by actually, like, tuberculosis victims or other endemic-type situations. 
Um, because they mortifying. have found like they have found like mass graves of these vampire burials. Oh, where I guess they thought that all of these people who, which if you think about it, like a pandemic or endemic, yeah. you have a whole bunch of people that are sick. It's a little if, especially back before we had all this medical knowledge, people try to explain it with you know mythology and stories and all kinds of stuff. Right. That would be cause for fear. Mm-hmm. And so then they would do these things to make sure that none of these people came back to life. And, you know, it just, it's kind of sad to think of that way. Um, but in their mind, that eased their fears that these people weren't going to come back to life. Right. Not that they were really vampires. I mean, we know that now, but still. Um, but yeah, <clears throat> anything that anything that could possibly raise an eyebrow that you might be a vampire back then could end you up with a proper vampire burial. Just saying. I mean, I just want one to freak people out. I'm not even going to lie. <laughs> Are you saying you want me to give you a vampire burial? No, you know where my body's going. Yeah, I know. Send me to the body farm. Ship me off. I know, I know. Ugh. But yeah, so this this Poland burial that they discovered this year... It's definitely not the first of its kind. Like I said, they they have found several of these throughout the years. Yeah. But that one definitely caught my attention. I'd say so. In fact, that that will probably be the first picture that I post for you all is the picture of the skeleton <laughs> with the, the sickle over its neck. Um, And yeah, I cannot wait to share that with you all because it really is kind of the stuff of nightmares. That's like, terrifying. Sounds like it. Yeah. So you're, there you go. Oh. That is how you keep the dead dead well i have bad news for you i guess okay i am going to continue to talk about dead after again again, back to my point we all have this like strange obsessive obsession fascination curiosity about death and that's typically the first thing we think of whenever we think of spooky season well okay i laugh because i'm gonna read exactly word for word out of my notes my very first line said in light of the Jeffrey Dahmer series on Netflix, it reminded me of our friends, the Victorians. Like, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Because that's just where my brain goes. But I was thinking, man, spooky death. The Victorians were just jacked people. They yes. just, they are, they, they are a special breed of people. Mm-hmm. Um, they gave us some very interesting history, so I credit mm-hmm. them for that. But I remember... A long time ago, like I've heard of this before, um, reading about the consumption of mummies by the Victorians Ooh. and how it led to a depletion of mummies in Egypt. Yes, I have heard of this. Yes. And like it got so, they became so obsessed with it. There was actually a special paint that was made from crushed up mummy bits. Paint? Yes. And it was called... Mummy Brown. Stop. Not creative at all. No. Yeah. What were they painting with this? Furniture? Regular, no, like artistic paintings. Oh. Oh. Like, yeah. See, my mind went to like painting the walls in your house or painting like... I could be wrong, but from what I've read, it was used by artists in paintings. Like... Just gonna watercolor with King Ra the Fourth from like <laughs> it just seems so disrespectful. Right. I mean, but that that's would what be they like, did. 
that would be almost like taking like I don't know grandpa's ashes off the off the mantle and right turning it in which okay, doing a nice okay. charcoal painting let me back up I understand that people do use like sentimental art pieces with ashes and I think that is very if done by the family is very respectful and a great way to remember your loved ones. But these are strangers from a different yes, century. Exactly. Desecrating these bodies. Yes. So it's weird. I'm sorry, but it's weird. So this led me to looking um, into what we call corpse medicine. Um, yeah, I don't like this. I don't, I don't like where this is going, Kate. Yeah. So it's, <clears throat> it's exactly what it sounds like. It is consuming parts of the deceased. Ew. To cure various ailments. No. Up to and including drinking blood. Nope. Mm -mm, I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. So why did people start eating corpses? Well. That's a great question. They saw it as medicine. Ugh. Again, before we had all these medical advancements and technology advancements, people just made stuff up. Exactly. But. Here's the thing. So Victorians get credited with this a lot because, I mean, again, they're weird. They've done a lot of weird things, and this was one of them. However, there are plenty of cultures throughout history who have partaken of the dead, uh, so to speak. Right. Yeah. Um, ancient Chinese, um, Arabic culture had some text. Uh, Romans. Yeah. The Romans had uh, some activities of consuming the dead um so it's not just the victorians and this has been going on for a long time right um but when you think of it you typically think of the victorians so this is pr this is going to be like an informal because in the readings i found several we're going to call them fun facts um <laughs> it, there's just so much like this is one of those like i thought it was going to be cut and dry and then it's like oh no Lots of people do this and lots, wow. there's a lot to this and a lot of stories, hmm. a lot of recipes. No. no. Did you oh, find yes. an actual recipe? I, I found a legit recipe. I'll touch on that later. I feel like we need to send some to that one guy that we follow on TikTok that makes all the random recipes from like historical <gasps> cookbooks. Oh my gosh, no. <laughs> oh, oh, that would be no. terrible. No, don't do that. So, okay. So we're going to start here with... um. The fresher the body, or the more violent the death, the better the healing. So in a violent death, yes. This is straight out of Jeffrey Dahmer's playbook. I'm I convinced. know. So here's here's the okay. deal. So it was thought, okay, so in a violent death, obviously you, you are experiencing fear. And we know scientifically that releases different chemicals and triggers different things in our body, right? Right. We know this, adrenaline, whatever. So it was thought that fear, when you go through fear, it is going to forcibly expel the body's spirits um, out of the vital, vital organs and into the skin or and this is a quote, to the circumference of the bone, trapping the spirit and making those body parts particularly potent. Oh my. Yeah, so culture saw this as a chance to physically consume a spiritual life force. Yeah, but I feel like that would be in a negative way. I wouldn't want that. I Well, they saw it a different way. Uh, apparently. Different times, I guess. Different times. Yeah. Um... Now, I mentioned earlier consumption of blood. Uh -huh. um, consumption of blood was thought to keep one youthful, beautiful. You know, you've got um, oh, yeah, you Elizabeth Bathory. I think I'm saying that right. 
or Elizabeth of Bath. Anyways, yes. that lady who was allegedly drinking the blood of virgins. Mm. Um, to stay young and beautiful. And I mean, again, and you've heard about, I mean, you hear of that in like stories and stuff too, of like yeah. bathing in blood to keep yourself youthful. And mm-hmm. yeah. So, in fact, I stumbled across this little snippet here. A respected 15th century Italian scholar and priest, this guy's a priest, said that an elderly couple hoping to regain a spring in their step should, quote, (laughs) suck the blood of an adolescent who was clean, happy, temperate, and whose blood is excellent, but perhaps a little excessive, end quote. I'm sorry, what? Yeah. Ew. Yeah, it's all this whole, like young fresh blood like goes into you and then replenishes your youth i don't know i still feel like there's some underlying like pedophilia there too like i i don't know that just mm. Uh, yeah because again it's that young untainted blood it's fresher you know it hasn't lived its life (laughs) like lived its life it's not old blood old blood it's new blood and at one point it was thought if you drink hot blood from the recently deceased, so you know Ooh, it's got to be it's fresh. Like grandma kicked the bucket, let's get to her arm. That fresh. It was thought that that would cure your epilepsy. Mm, I don't no. know where that works out. I don't know where that works. But so obviously they thought the fresher the better, whether it's right. skin, bones whatever blood now fear not if you couldn't get to grandma fast enough um if you if you couldn't get fresh blood or powdered blood you could simply follow a recipe for blood jam blood jam yes very similar to like making a jelly okay okay so this makes me think of whenever we were in the philippines and we got black tv did you ever try black tv I definitely skipped out on that. Okay, I have tried it. I hid in the back of the group because I was like, no, thank you. (laughs) So I did try it on one of my trips over. And, okay, preface, it's not human blood. But it is made with either pig's blood or chicken blood. And it's kind of the same concept. You make it into like a jelly type substance. Mm -hmm. And then it's often like grilled. Yeah. And, okay, on the risking sounding really gross it was actually not bad yeah but i, I just... wouldn't i wouldn't want to do it with human blood because that just seems all kinds of wrong exactly i i just i, I couldn't bring myself to do it um but yeah it's there were recipes out there for these things hmm. um there's different recipes you know you take this body part you powder it you mix it with this liquor or you mix it with, you know, whatever. There were all these recipes out there so that people could get these treatments. And you could go to a doctor or a pharmacy, essentially, <laughs> and get these treatments. Wow. And there are stories out there, especially for, like, the blood. Um, stories of going to public executions. No. To be up front so you could catch some of the blood and consume it. So it would be extremely fresh and of course it's technically a violent death because like yeah even if you can't see it on their face like it's likely that that body is reacting in a fearful way and so Mm -hmm. it's releasing those 
hormones and those chemicals in the body that make this so potent. Um, and so if you're front row, you know, you were lucky and you'd be trying to get your cup up there, you know, to get the fresh blood. But there's also stories of that executioner taking the body, getting the fat out. I'm just going to put it in a nice way, getting the fat out and actually delivering it to pharmacies, essentially, um, to make into ailments, not ailments, (laughs) remedies for ailments. Wow. So these executioners are bringing pounds and pounds of fat and these doctors are taking them and turning them into these ailments that they're then giving to their patients. Wow. Like, I can't even imagine rolling up into the farms be like, hey, can I get some of that fat from today's execution, please? Right. Like, it just, there's all these stories from all over, just strange things. And I think apothecary is the word I was looking for. And my brain just, (laughs) my brain just quit for a minute. It happens. So to kind of wrap this all up, because again, this was a very broad topic. So this is very informal. I just want to give you some common remedies um for different ailments so okay uh if you suffered from headaches like really bad headaches or just consistent headaches all you needed to do was get some powdered skull oh is that all yeah so there's this okay. whole like you treat what is hurting with whatever the body part whatever is that, that body part hurts. is yeah so if you've got a headache uh, okay you I get that tracks yeah um <laughs> this one just oh This was another recipe I stumbled across, but it was taking powdered skull and mixing it with chocolate. And it would cure um, apoplexy, which is bleeding. Right. Um, But allegedly that would help with fat. Oh. Yeah. Now this one, I know I'm going to say it wrong. Usnea, usnea. It's basically skull moss. It's like the stuff between your skin and your... Like your scalp and your skull. Uh huh. So if you took that and you either, this gets me, you can either take it and shove it up your nose. Ew. Or consume it. Um, that would be a cure for nosebleeds or epilepsy. I mean, typically if you shove anything up your nose, it's going to like <laughs> stop. Stick a tampon up there. Oh, that was what I was thinking when you first said stick it up your nose was like. People sticking tampons yeah. up their nose. To Which stop I guess nosebleeds. it was like it had been removed and maybe like dried. Maybe? In, I, I don't know. I, I didn't find a recipe for it, but I saw it in several places that you could stick it up your nose or you could consume it. Ugh. Yeah. So, this human fat we talked about earlier, mm. um, this was used for a lot of just common things. Um, just general aches. If you had, you know, a an ache in your elbow, you rub some little human fat on there to make it feel better. Um, if you had gout, just rub some little fat on there. Um, if you had a wound, some doctors would um, melt human fat and soak band-aids in it, and then you would wrap your wound in that fat-soaked band-aid, and that was supposed to help it heal. Which, mm, I don't, I don't, I don't oh. know. Okay, all I'm going to say is, is I got lots of fat, and I have lots of aches and pains. I'm just going to deal it. with it. I'm not buying it. <laughs> and the other one that I found interesting, and I say interesting very loosely, mm. is you would take, women would take um, basically skin that still had fat on it. Oh. 
and lay it over their bellies during labor to reduce pains. Yeah, not buying that one either. I mm-hmm. nope. I've been in labor and I can tell you, no, that's not no. No fatty skin. No, thank is gonna you. Help that. I didn't like. It's just such an uncomfortable time. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't think I could handle knowing there's a dead person on my belly. Right. Like I feel like that's bad juju for bringing life into the world. But right. I don't know it. They said it worked. Um. Okay. This one is fun. I don't know what the recipe for this is, but liquor of liquor of hair. So basically, hair that has somehow been turned into a liquid. Um, promoted hair growth. For receding hairlines. Well, uh, okay. And I know you said you didn't find a recipe for this, but I almost wonder if it's like, you know how they do like vanilla where they take the vanilla bean and then they soak it in alcohol. That's very possible. Maybe they soak the hair in alcohol. Yeah. Cause I was imagining like the olive oils that have the stuff in it. Right. You know, do they call it a tincture? Am I using that word right? Yes, that came up a lot in my research. I say I would say that it was probably soaked in like alcohol or something like that. Or, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, or if that was not uh, what you needed, um, you could get powdered hair, and that was said to cure jaundice. Oh, yeah. That one does not track. I hair to yeah jaundice. I would think that you would use more, like, skin or... Like, I'm trying to think like a Victorian here. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm not... Think seeing, like the Victorians. <laughs> I'm not getting the connection of I know, hair I'm, to jaundice. I don't but, get okay. it either. Now, okay, we sit and we judge and we talk and we laugh. I know. However, I know. Um, just to call to my... You know, the Catholic faith a lot... and. I, Again, we are not Catholic. I don't speak to it. But for a long time, there was this whole, um, and the word has just escaped me, um, when you're taking communion. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that whole, um, what is the word? It just left. Where the bread and the wine actually become the body oh, and the blood of Christ. Yes. So, like, that was a common practice for mm-hmm. a long time. and. You know, I don't think people, some people may, some, some people, people may still, not. Some people do still believe that it does transform in your body. Yeah. Once you actually ingest it. Like. Yeah. And I, the word has slipped my mind, but, um, you know, some people point to that and they're like, well, that's hypocrisy. So it all depends on how you look at it. And right. in a modern term, like we still use a bit of corpse medicine. There's still a lot of fresh blood that saves lives. Yeah, okay, that's um, true. You have transplants. You know, my son got a heart transplant. Right. That, unfortunately, came from a deceased child. Um. So, I mean, in, in a sense, like, we still use corpse medicine today. In a way, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, but we, we use it now that we have more... I don't know, understanding, understanding, education. Like we've learned so much through science about how the body works and how it's almost like we were on the right track and now like we're (laughs) getting there. But we weren't quite there. But then again, and I think you and I may have had this conversation already, but like I think about, or maybe it was Abby. I think Abby and I had this conversation of, I, I wonder sometimes like, 50 100 years down the road oh yes what are people going to look back at today 
and go, wow, what were they thinking? Those millennials. Man, Gen you Z. Were savage. Like, yes, so I I'm wonder sure too. That there are things that we do today that in the future people are going to look back, like we look back on the Victorians or, you know, ancient civilizations and be like, wow, that that's just so wrong. How could they even think that was right? Yeah, absolutely. So to to kind of wrap this up and to just give you some things to to sit on and think on. During the spooky season? Alleg- I say allegedly because I only saw this in one place. I didn't have a lot of time to research this. But Leonardo da Vinci said, We preserve our life with the death of others. In a dead thing, incident life remains, which when it was reunited with the stomachs of the living, regained sensitive and intellectual life. That's deep. Right? (laughs) That's deep. Like, Da Vinci said that. Allegedly. Allegedly. And then there's uh, this quote from this historian, um, Skuggs, I think is his name. He keeps popping up in my research. That's a great name, Skuggs. I'm not sure if this quote came from him or if I saw it somewhere else, but it said... The question was not, should you eat human flesh, but what sort of flesh should you eat? And that's where I'm going to leave you. And suddenly, Tiff wants to become a vegetarian. Right? Like, <laughs> give me them carrots and broccoli and like, celery. Because I'm thinking, like, uh, uh, I don't know, my mind goes to so many different places. And it just, yeah. Just things change with time. I, know. I, I don't, I don't understand it. Um, but we do still use corpse medicine today. And like you said, 100, 200 years down the road, maybe they're going to look back at us and be like, those, y'all are silly. They're going to be like 3D printing, like hearts. And I mean, they've already started the technology for something similar, but yeah. So that was a heavy first spooktober spooktober i can't say that, that today was a lot of death it was a lot of death but we again might... but again a common theme this fear and this fascination of death and what happens after we die yeah i mean i think that is just so heavenly ingrained in this spooky season that you can't escape it like it's yeah. just part of it well I'm going to give a little sneak peek. So this week I talked heavily on death. So next week I'm actually talking about, um, I'm trying to think of a good teaser. I'm, I'm going to talk about avoiding death. Some like very morbid things people did to avoid death. Oh, okay. But I'm not going to give you any more than that. Uh, I haven't, I've got like three or four different things and I haven't landed on which topic I'm going to talk about next. Um, but I'll just say that. It, it they're all very interesting like i'm yeah. really having a hard time choosing which one i want to talk about yeah first. this this season's gonna be fun <laughs> <laughs> well tiff is gonna upload some pictures for you all um just a reminder check out our merch um share our episodes go listen to some of our older episodes and uh we will be back next week with another spooktober spectacular episode Woo! all right y'all have a good week bye, bye.